0: good morning good afternoon and good evening and welcome in to episode 46 of kayfabe council the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling my name is pretty tony and alongside me as always is the good brother tf joker joker was a crack man what's going on
1: Oh, uh, absolutely not PT. You know, spring has finally sprung. We've gotten some decent weather and I was out walking in it today with uh, a couple of the dogs and just, uh, you know, enjoying it while it lasts because tomorrow they'll probably be rain.
0: That's the interesting notion of spring as we are sprung into spring fully. Yeah, and sometimes nice weather, sometimes clouds, sometimes rain, sometimes other things. We try to React to some allergies or some pollens. They take the good with the bad. It's one of those. You never know what you're gonna get.
1: Yeah, except whenever you're you're in Northern Ireland, 90% of the time it's rain. So whenever you get that one or two sunny days, you gotta get out into it. You gotta you know, you gotta just be outdoors, enjoy the, the 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 sun coming at you and being like, oh my goodness, what is this? And then, uh, yeah, you're you're kind of charged up for another few months until summer happens. And then maybe you get like a day or two of summer, uh, summer sunshine. And then, you know, we got to hibernate until spring again.
0: Well, we're always hoping for the right kind of sunny days and not the particular type of sunny days. If you know, you know. But yeah, it's mm. one of those where, you, like you said, you never know what you're kind of going to get. For you, sir, in Northern Ireland there, the weather seems to be a little bit more of a regular deal over where I'm at. Can be, you know, can kind of get cool in the morning, warm in the afternoon, and really cool down in the evening time, such as with the spring. And I don't know, we get mostly sunshine, we get some clouds, it is what it is. So I get a little bit more of a variety of a feel, but hey, like we said, we kind of take what we can get. And it's certainly been interesting weather, but it's certainly been an interesting week in the world of professional wrestling. Hot dang! Mm-hmm. What
1: a segue that was.
0: Social media has been a buzz this entire week of professional wrestling. Hot dang.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week, the week after Mania, the Raw after Mania is usually the, one of the best things about the wrestling year. It's a time for brand new things to happen. It's a time for sometimes a new star to appear in the sky. Maybe a new feud to happen that makes logical sense. Or sometimes just happened because. And then SmackDown
2: exists. So, you know, that really didn't happen this year.
0: A lot of fans were taken aback. We had a, what fans feel as a rather decent WrestleMania, certainly not the best, certainly not the worst, but folks were engaged with watching it and being active on social media in regards to WrestleMania. Yeah, and a very, very divisive Raw after WrestleMania. A lot of fans would say pretty much a letdown or a very missable show to say the least.
1: Oh yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. I believe I was one of those fans on Twitter I let I let my feelings be known about the raw after mania
2: Sigh.
0: I guess it's one of those where you try to have strong expectations, but it in this instance it lived down to expectations, so Certainly an interesting week as we'll get into a number of topics of uh, sort of the bigger things that happened around this week, so hopefully you'll join in some of the things you enjoyed, some of the things like us we're going to be giving out about. We get a little bit of a mixed bag today, so come along on this journey and discuss with us this particular week in wrestling. Before we get into the show proper, we hear at Kayfabe Council are saddened to hear the passing of bushwhacker butch our thoughts are with his family friends and fans at this time all right as a reminder you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash council and in audio form where we get your podcast from on this week's episode we look at rock lesnar turns on cody Rhodes. Jay White signs with AEW. AEW All-In London comes to Wembley Stadium. And finally, Triple H announces a
2: WWE draft. So, coming up first. Rock Lesnar turns on Cody Rhodes.
0: Interesting week, we're coming hot off the heels of Wrestlemania, where we saw Brock be victorious over Omos in the opening match of Night 2, and we saw Night 2 close with the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match, where Roman retained over Mr. Rhodes themselves, and we flash forward to Raw, get a little bit of an in-ring segment, where Cody essentially just asks for a rematch. Mr. Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns turn him down, which subsequently sets up a tag team match for Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa to face off Cody Rhodes, and an interesting partner of a Mr. Brock Lesnar. Sets that up to much of the folks' surprise, and we don't get a payoff, because right before the match even starts, in the main event, the last segment of Raw, Raka goes ahead and goes full on beast mode. His super meter is fully charged and he's just disposing of all of the levels, and using all of his finishers on Cody. F5s and things as such, using some stairs. Basically, just a total squash of the American Nightmare. To so have a little bit of background here, uh, According to Fightful Select, is reporting that WWE's plan for Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar's feud was planned well before WrestleMania 39 and also before Vince McMahon made his way back to WWE. Additionally, sources within WWE suggest that Lesnar was aware of his post-WrestleMania 39 direction nearly a month ago. It's unknown if the entirety of WWE's creative team knew about the storyline but The Beast was said to have had been well aware of the rivalry with Cody. WWE also hinted at Brock's heel turn ahead of his WrestleMania match with Omas during some of their interactions. WWE's plan to have Lesnar stand side-by-side side with Cody before blasting him with the F5 was handed out to The Beast about a month prior to Raw after WrestleMania 39. So joker question for you my good sir in our episode about two weeks ago in the build to wrestlemania i posed the question what was going to be next perhaps for a roman reigns and a cody rhodes joker did you see or did you think anything close to a brock lesnar for cody
2: heck no
1: because i was thinking like Mr. Heyman, the wise man, the the council. Post WrestleMania is usually time for Brock to go and do Brock thing. Like Brock is not he doesn't exist between WrestleMania and Survivor series. Like normally, you know, we would maybe see him come back at the Rumble, you know, at the latest, because he would exist between that sort of December to to mania event he is he's a storm he is a big storm of a man and you love to see it so whenever we had him this year and we had him at SummerSlam and stuff that was a bit odd um and then he went away again for a while and you know we had the bobby stuff and so it was very sporadic for brah uh but this was definitely not something that i foresaw but it was the the end product is a hundred percent something that i foresaw because as much as I love Brock, as much as I love him, he gives the game
2: away far too easily. Now,
1: for those of you who were eagle-eyed enough, you know, to maybe be watching uh, at my face as PT was going down the rundown, I had my press X to doubt face on with this. You know, oh, this was planned before uh, before Vince McMahon came back. Mm, I don't think so. Mm, a hard no. People, whenever Vince left, thought that Brock was never going to come back to the show. Like, this was the thing. Like, last year, I remember stories being Brock is unhappy that Vince has been ousted and all this here. So, I feel like, you know, Vince having given Cody his big run last year, he had definitely had a hand in where this sort of viewed when. I'm not mad at this.
2: Okay? My little
1: twinge is because like I said, Brock gives the game away in the first 30 seconds. When he goes to shake Cody's hand he gets a little bit too exuberant and almost F5s him right there and then. You see him, he goes in and he grabs his hand and he pulls him in really close and Cody's like yo bro, not You know, he's a wee bit taken aback. I was like, you you're gonna turn on him and it's just not even gonna be funny. Is it now? Is it now? And we waited. And it didn't happen in the first segment. But it did happen before the bell in the actual match. I'm not mad at this. Because as soon as Cody said rematch, I literally if I had papers to hand, I threw them. You know, if I had pens, I was throwing them at the screen. I was you know, making an absolute mess of everything. Nobody wants to see rematch, Cody. Nobody wants that rematch. Because now we know what the agenda is. Like the agenda is a thousand days. The next contender is not you, and it is not going to end well for the person who it is. So this is a nice little nice little change. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be violent, and it's gonna test how well Cody is over. And will continue to be over um, because Brock was riding a high being Cowboy Brock, being, you know, being very popular in my opinion. Um, and then you go with him against the top uh babyface, in, or was the top babyface in Cody. And, you know,
2: it'll be fun. I think it'll be good. I don't know about you
0: when I saw. Brock essentially just F five him and start to kind of the beatdown segment. I got a little bit of those vibes of when Brock returned and kind of did a similar thing to Cena. Brock comes out, uh, they kind of shake hands and then sort of attack type of thing. So I got it had me like in my brain, and I want to say even somebody just posted a, a Twitter of a side a picture on the Twitter of like a little side by side. So maybe that's I was like oh yeah, it kind of helped me remind me of that as well, but. Interesting move. You have the notion in the report of it being kind of planned ahead. So maybe we, maybe this was planned whether or not Cody won at Mania, speculative or speculation not. But I see it as an interesting notion to have him face off against Brock. The him losing to Roman, this is Cody losing to Roman Mania, and then you have another sort of insurmountable obstacle in the beast, Brock Lesnar, that sort of continuous climbing of a mountain, overcoming the odds type of thing, the, the hero of the story, the baby face, overcoming all the odds and things, so I'm kind of down for it too very much Clash of Styles, then again, when you get a Brock, it's sort of a Clash of Styles with anybody, to be fair. I'm going to I'm interested in how this is going to play out. To be fair, I don't think this is going to happen at the backlash in Puerto Rico, which is the next uh, pay-per-view. Honestly, some fans I might get a little heat ski, but I feel like this is a SummerSlam match. Like you can you can draw it out. To be fair, you have big pay-per-view uh, you, they're going to London in, you know, before SummerSlam type of deal, so you yeah, the money have an the bank
1: is in July. Yeah. So I
0: I don't know. I feel like this is going to be this is going to be a SummerSlam deal. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, well I mean I, I I kind of feel like it might be if it's not backlash,
2: which I don't think it is. Um,
1: but it it actually has a higher probability of being the main event at Backlash than anything else. Uh, but there's still maybe a couple of weeks' build for it, so I would want to push it off to maybe money in the bank, so in London. Um, I think pushing it to SummerSlam is a wee bit too far away. Uh, but i don't I don't think it's immediately in the mind for backlash for the idea of the the idea of the the feud, I know i was I was a new joking obviously Vince had a hand in this. I think it is a smart idea to have Brock be the first challenger for Cody as the WWE uh, the champion, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Um, because as we were reminded, because I don't know if you remembered, but I completely forgot when Brock lost, he lost the chance to ever contest for the titles again, why Roman held them. I completely forgot that. So to have Brock, who lost to Roman, twice he lost to uh roman at mania and then he lost at summerslam i believe it was and then that was the last time he was able to uh, contest for them um for him to come out against the first guy you know a guy that we know is a monster who lifted up a ring with a tractor in their fight uh you know brock lifting lifting up the ring in his fight with roman at summerslam you know the the fact that, like you said, he's a clash of styles for anyone. He is an absolute monster of, of uh, epic proportions, and he is a draw. He's a big highlight for uh, the Fed. And it's,
2: it would have been a, an amazing hurdle
1: for Cody to overcome. So I can see that he would have been the first challenger should Cody have won. And it would have solidified Cody's reign. While giving time for Roman to go away, recoup, you know, have have that recharge time, and then for him to come back and maybe, you know, have another have a rematch, etc., and try and get control of the bloodline. If that was the if that was the way that the story had played out, that's logical. I like that. Now we have a buffer in the way of Brock Lesnar and Cody,
2: keeping Cody away from Roman. It's not quite as logical because what does
1: Brock want with Cody? They haven't, you know. Cody, Cody wasn't a, a thing when Brock was around. Like Cody didn't exist in Brock's universe. He wasn't in the main event. He wasn't John Cena. So, like, yeah, the 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 Twitter sphere, you know. Uh, I remember seeing the same pictures that you saw where. John Cena, dejected after the Mania, f 5 after, on the Raw, after Mania, et cetera, et cetera. So the parallels are there, 100%. But there's no correlation between these two characters. There's no rhyme or reason, in my opinion, that they should be going at it. Because, like they said, he, he, he stood to gain and lose nothing, Brock this is, by participating in the tag match so what what what's his reasoning i would like to hear his reasoning before anything else it's just going to be a fun match but for me i only see it as a buffer and if that's all it is fantastic you know we'll push on to we'll push on for cody maybe regain this baby face push even though i and a lot of other fans in the uh, wwe universe kind of agree Maybe missed the bell uh, on the perfect sort of uh, ending to the story, if you want, if you will. So it's just one of those things. It's cool. It wasn't particularly surprising, um, like I said. But uh, it's gonna it's gonna draw in some money. It's gonna make Brock Richards gonna make Cody hotter, and uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a nice little break from Roman going. Yeah, I've got nobody else to beat.
0: Intriguing matchup that I didn't necessarily think of, a Cody and a Brock. But like I mentioned before, Clash of Styles, it's going to be an interesting piece for Cody to try to overcome the kind of big beast incarnate that is Brock Lesnar. There's an interesting note on SmackDown after the video package from this early in the week on Raw. Wade Barrett on SmackDown announce uh, on the commentary booth, just sort of ham fistedly thrown in, essentially saying that Brock was upset because he went on first on night two. So something, something I'm mad. And I guess Cody was the first person to kind of kind of thing. So uh, in regards to that's just a sort of a ham fisted thing to try to justify. I really honestly don't feel like that's going to be the actual reason at some point, probably two or three weeks from now, we'll get a, a segment where Brock gets on the mic and just kind of lays it out and like, here's kind of the deal, uh, you know, f, uh, F5 f and type of thing. Here's why I kind of picked you type of thing. So yeah, uh, I, nice try. Nice try, uh, Wade.
1: Such a terrible reason. If that turns out to be the reasoning they use i'm sorry boys and girls but did we ask one of our kids to write the reasons like i had to go on first on night two Weh. boys you weren't in a match with anyone other than omos where did you you were lucky to be on the card for mania brock i would have put you on smackdown and put the andre the ball andre the jam battle royal on night two as the opener. You're lucky you even made it onto the card of that crap match.
0: Well, certainly an interesting moment from this past week's episode of Raw. Probably one of the only bright spots, as weird as it was, normally not a tremendous show, that this one was. on cagematch.net, I believe it has a less than one per- uh, rating, which is, to be fair and to my knowledge, the lowest-rated show in Raw's history on CageMatch.net, but
1: sounds generous to me, dude.
0: <laughs> be that as it may, this was one of the only true bright spots that uh, to come out of Raw. So interesting matchup we have forthcoming. Now that it's been presented, all right, I'm intrigued. But Joker, much like yourself, I'm going to be interested on how this is going to play out and kind of how we get there. To kind of draw me in to kind of see when ultimately this match takes
1: place 100 percent. i'm not interested in this in the slightest like it, it, there's no compelling uh plot points to this so they're going to have to work really hard uh to get me uh to get me interested in this little buffer um and yeah if if that reasoning is is what they're planning on using this is going to be a blip Cody that I'm just going to try and block out until you next, you know, manage to take on somebody who is going to be coherent.
0: Fair play. So let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts, impressions, and possible predictions about what is even going on with a Brock Lesnar turning on and eventually facing a Cody Rhodes. Alright, next topic here. Jay White signs with AEW. Have a little bit of a background here. According to a report from Fightful Select, once again, White has signed a multi year contract with AEW. The deal was in place before WrestleMania 39, and WWE sources were aware that the NJPW star would not be signing with Vince McMahon's company. WWE was interested in White following his free agency and were confident about signing him. According to WWE higher-ups, the company, quote, failed to communicate properly along the process. And, AEW signing him might have been the result of Vince McMahon's return to WWE's board of directors in January and the lack of main roster signings since. WWE creative team was said to have had tentative plans for White, and as of last week, some in the company still hoped that WWE would obtain the signature of the Switchblade. So, dating back here, Jay White, free agent, early this year, had a number of loser leaves town, one was a loser leaves Japan, and then loser leaves the company eventually losing the, the latter match to Eddie Kingston at a New Japan Strong. There were talks of WWE interest from WWE and AEW, but Jay White made his debut on Dynamite this past week for AEW in the opening segment. Joker, I'll throw it over to you. What was your impressions of Jay White's shocking? Return slash debut
2: for AW Really? This is how you're gonna do it? What? Just have him walk to the ring normally? No like shock attack from behind. No come to save
1: ya boy. No. I don't know tk does not know how to do debuts man he needs to get in a specific like he needs to write a specific job role for all of his new signings, right you're on piecemeal contract anytime we get a new signing you come in and you have to book their debut it has to be the most shocking thing ever because for, we had for a, a phase the lights off the lights on and somebody knew was in the ring and that kind of fell flat when Satnam Singh was standing in the ring and everybody went, "Who?" Eh? And then, you know, we also had the, I've got the big announcement to make. And it was an announcement of an announcement that Christian Cage was the next big signing. Ah, we had rock hard Juice Robinson standing in the ring at the start of Dynamite with no music. What is this, Rampage?
0: Get that jobber entrance.
1: He had the jobber entrance on the main show. Like, I know he wrestles on Dark. I know he's been getting reps on Dark and Rampage and stuff. But the jobber entrance is for Rampage, not Dynamite. So Rock Hard was stood there in the ring waiting for, you know, Ricky Starks to have his entrance. And I knew, obviously, the juice juice is part of Bullet Club. You know, we love the Bullet Club. And then, uh, the Bullet Club music plays again. I was like, you know he's already in the ring, right? You know he's already in the ring, right?
2: And then, Jay White switched to that. I'm like, what? Wait, what? This is how we're doing it? You introduce the guy? Like, huh?
1: Sorry. Uh, I I thought, I am so happy Jay White is in AEW and not WWE. I think it's a really good uh, position for him to be in. Uh, I agree that there was an awful lot of mitigating factors uh, and the communication issues were absolutely stupid. WWE have made a huge mistake not signing uh, Jay White. Jay White is better off in AEW, but this man needs to go on the tear of a lifetime to distract everybody from the worst bungle since the history of bungles this was a terrible debut and uh, tk should be ashamed
0: interesting history of debuts in aew from the likes of a sting to the all out of or double or nothing pardon my interruption delete is appropriate for an adam cole and a Ryan danielson To the the aforementioned Asatnam Singh, to potentially folks were let down by a Jay White, like we mentioned, like you said, uh, Jesus Robinson was already in the ring. We did a Ricky Stark's entrance, bam! All of a sudden, you know, flicker, and there he comes. He he comes in doing a run in. So I think folks were maybe it's a tough thing because we kind of get a little bit of a back and forth between debuts and trying to find and fit the right piece for a a debuting or returning talent. So, I don't know, that's a tough one. Folks didn't necessarily think of a uh, literally just a quick run-in, a beatdown, and then they kind of walk up the ramp together, and that's it. Like, they don't even mention him anymore during the episode, there's no talk of him, There's no like follow up backstage interview with he and Juice to my knowledge. Maybe there could have been a digital, but that was kind of it. So, may you know, I I don't know. Maybe perhaps a bit of a letdown. I think is a fair assessment for folks.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And if people are let down by it, then fair enough. But I think an awful lot of people are more excited by the fact that this has happened. People are fine with the fact that uh, Jay White is here, that people were losing their minds, you know, this, that, and the other, and uh, I get that. That's perfectly okay. Like I said, I am excited for a new main eventer to be in. We've already got a ready-made sort of a feud to go uh, once they've uh, kind of got them out the starting blocks. We've got Jay White versus Adam Cole, baby. Because, let's not forget, Adam Cole was put out of action in that triple threat with Okada and Jay White. It was, it was a, it was a fourth man. Moxley. Yeah. Moxley was there as well, was it? Whatever it was. doesn't matter now. It was Okada, Jay White, Bebe, and somebody else that Hang clearly man. doesn't bear... Hangman! Hang there we go. So he, was, he, he, was, he had a serious concussion uh, because of that match. So we've got that ready-made feud going you know what i mean um and then we put him into the, the sort of upper mid card main event scene and then we have the true AEW switchblade era and then you've got things like Kenny Omega's and then you've got things like John Moxleys so like i i see so many good matches that Jay White is going to have
2: fantastic but if i can
1: play fantasy booker for how this entrance should have went, I have two possible variations of how it should have went. If we're going to have this, you know, Jay White
2: switchblade switch stuff coming up, you have Ricky Starks come out to the ring first, right, and then you have, you
1: know, the uh, Rock Hard Juice Robinson's music play, and as he's walking the ring, he gets jumped from behind. He gets jumped from behind by
2: Rock Hard Juice Robinson. But who's on the ramp?
1: It's Jay White. And he stood there. Big shock, big surprise, because nobody knew he was coming. Still, we're still doing the run-in. He still goes down to the ring. He you know beats the crap out of uh beats the crap out of Ricky Stark's cool job's good and we're all done here. The other way is you have a little bit of role reversal. You have you know, Juice Robinson coming down to the ring to his music. Stop doing the job of entrance on Dynamite. Don't do it. Come on. Do that for enhancement talent. Don't do it for someone who is clearly a big star and is aligning himself with your brand new acquisition that was not cheap. So you have him come down to the ring and before anything happens, shock and awe, we have Jay White blindside Ricky Starks. Everybody's shocked. He hasn't been announced by the Tron, but we have the shock of Jay White come in and be like, oh my God, it's Jay White, Jay White, blah, blah, blah. and then we cut to a backstage segment afterwards, and then we have an interview with Jay White and Rock Hard Juice Robinson, like they should have done. Like, these small tweaks make that entrance and that debut a lot more
2: impressive And a lot more
1: groundbreaking for what should be a huge star. Because let's not forget, last year at Forbidden Door, he was the IWGP heavyweight champion.
0: Fair play. Also, congratulations to Sonata, who just beat Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So, congratulations with that.
1: Isn't
0: enough. Yeah, it's one of those things mentioned earlier in a little bit of the background that, you know, the notion of creative or type of thing, we have the creative for decision by TK, the booker to kind of have this bit of a run in and the potential of a bullet club ask uh, kind of joining together in a W type of things. So we get a little bit of a bullet club in AW and Impact, and then of course in New Japan, little things of such, the little WWE contingent. So the nature of Bullet Club kind of taking over the world. I'm in agreement that there, we can we can still grow from here. Jay White's a big catch, obviously. Folks that are familiar with him know that the guy can work. Uh, just watch the most re- the recent Wrestle Kingdom for just proof of that. But yeah, man, this guy. We can have a little bit of a Bullet Club thing, like we mentioned with Juice, so we can have interactions with, is he still friends with uh, Adam Cole type of thing, or the Bucks, or the former Bullet Club leader, Kenny Omega, all these little things that we could potentially go on, so there's still room to creatively go from here. And the interesting thing about the leadership or creative in WWE. They mentioned that the leadership failed to communicate properly along the process. That's a tough thing, man. If one of the things was maybe they were having some talks and they just kind of fell through or forgot to communicate or got a little busy with uh, WrestleMania type of thing. The fact that they mentioned that creative team had tentative plans means that the right hand was not talking to the the left hand and the uh the higher ups were potentially not talking to the uh the folks that they directly report to. So things of such, either way. I think communicating and creative can always be a lot better, as we've seen in any of the companies that notwithstanding. I agree with you. I feel that we can still, even though it may have lived down to expectations, and this is the second time I've said that in this episode, we can still I don't want to say salvage, but we can we can figure out a way to make this as kind of as big as it can be and and might be. So there's still hope for jay White. Honestly, I feel like this was maybe the little bit of a better deal. Uh, there's maybe more things for him to do, maybe more stories as opposed to in WWE where he might be. Oh, I'm gonna fight Seth Rollins. So I felt like that would have been his first thing out the gate, and not not to spite Seth, but. I feel like there's more story to play in AEW than there is to WWE.
1: More relevant stories. Yeah. For for Jay White specifically, I think that 100% I agree. Uh, like like I mentioned a couple of the 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 competitors that he could face. And I think like, to to my mind I can't think of that many people in WWE that he could face that he could have those sorts of compelling stories. And I heard uh, a little bit of a a little bit of a. Well, I I say I heard I read a tweet that somebody had mentioned the comparisons of the debut at WrestleMania to a debut at a raw, uh, raw after Mania, where if Switchblade did sign with um with WWE, he wouldn't debut at WrestleMania because the casual fan wouldn't know who he is and so wouldn't get a pop quite to the likes of Cody. Hmm. But he would get a bigger pop at a Raw after Mania because the more hardcore fan would be at the Raw after Mania as well. I don't know how likely that sort of argument, you know, how much weight that holds, but it kind of made sense when you consider the people who want to go to Mania or going there for the spectacle they're going there to see the biggest sort of thing happen. They're like, well, who who is that guy? I know that if somebody from NJPW, if they de- if they debuted when I was a kid, I'd be like, well, I've no idea who that is, but he's got a flashy entrance, so yay! Um, so I can see that sort of thing. But the only people I can see Jay White having any sort of thing to deal with is, like you said, Seth Rollins, maybe
2: a Cody maybe a Bobby Lashers
1: LA Knight I'd like to see him against LA Knight uh but I'd like to see LA Knight against everybody so yeah if we have to pick though I'm glad he's at AEW for a couple of years um we'll see how well they deal with him um because I could change my tune depending on how they build them. If we get nothing from Jay White next week, which odds are we shouldn't, we will get something from Jay White next week. But if it's not something to compound on what they just did, i.e. they are going to attack Ricky Sarks, they leave him laid out, they go on to do anything else, this being uh, Jay White and uh, Rock Hard. Look rock hard juice robinson um but if we if we have those two sort of go on a bit of a, a crushing spree of of mid-card talent then uh you know ricky comes along and tries to redeem beats juice loses the jay jay goes on etc et etc cetera, et cetera, et cetera. i'd be okay with all this but we need to build them up we need to make sure that This stumble at the starting block isn't gonna be a continuous downhill avalanche of failure and TK hasn't just wasted all this money like he did on a particular other guy that people may or may not want back.
0: Begs to be seen about how Jay White will be used, but folks are excited. Might've been a little bit of a lackluster debut, slash return. But either way, we're hoping for the best. So those were our thoughts on Jay White debuting slash returning to AEW. Let us know down in the comments section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. And let us know what your thoughts are on
2: Jay White coming to AEW. All right, next topic here, AEW announces All-In at Wembley Stadium.
0: On this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite, Tony Khan, alongside Nigel McGuinness and Adam Cole, revealed that AEW is reviving the All-In branding for an event at London, England's 90,000-seat Wembley Stadium on Sunday, August 27th. It will mark AEW's debut in the United Kingdom and its first show outside North America Sans 4. Of course, Canada being in North America as well. Anthony Bowens replied to a fan on Twitter saying All In will not replace All Out, and the latter All Out will be held, quote, the following week. Interesting. Finally, All In will be the first professional wrestling event stage at Wembley Stadium since WWE held SummerSlam there in 1992. We'll also uh WWE's last stadium show in the United Kingdom before last September's Clash at the Castle event in Cardiff, Wales. WWE is bringing another major event to the UK this summer. Money in the Bank is scheduled to be held at London's O2 Arena on Saturday, July 1st. So, first question to you, Joker. Yes, sir. The announcement that AEW is bringing a show, obviously, we knew it was coming to the UK at some point, but it was announced that, I mean, this is big. This is not an arena show. This is Wembley Stadium. This is a stadium, football stadium, potentially the likes of a 80,000-plus cedar Joker, you being over in the UK, we hear rumblings, obviously, of, of AEW being popular over there. It's, it seems to get good ratings when it's shown on uh, UK television. But what, what are your kind of impressions of, obviously, AEW having a live event there, but then the announcement that it's going to be at Wembley, a huge,
2: huge show. Surprise!
1: Like ninety thousand-seater stadium. I, like many people, was like, "Are you sure you don't mean the Wembley Arena?" The so Wembley Arena is twelve thousand, almost thirteen thousand, uh, in terms of capacity. And I had the number up there. Where was it? Twelve thousand five hundred. That's Wembley Arena. That is satisfactory. For a debut show for AEW to come over where you're not a hundred percent sure just how many seats you're gonna do. Now let's let's not forget that Ltk owns Fulham Football Club as well. They have their own stadium, Raven Cottage.
2: That uh probably people thought let's, let's
1: kind of maybe use that as a as a thing.
2: No, we're we're
1: we're we're just going for the largest Stadium, it's fine 100 years of of Wembley 100 years of Warner uh you know that whole thing cool fair enough I think the the main thing we have to note this isn't the stadium that WWE went to this is a different stadium because the stadium that WWE went to was also called Wembley Stadium but it was demolished in early 2000 this is its replacement it's bigger it's more up to date so I am
2: excited, but I am also worried. Because
1: outside of the US, how well this is this is a, a true litmus test. How well does Europe and the UK view AEW? If they
2: sell uh, if they sell this stadium well, they sell it out, you know. That, that'd that be the dream, right? If they
1: sell this stadium out, then I will be thoroughly impressed, for one. I, I, I you know, like my, my opinion matters. I, an awful thing, an awful lot of other people will be thoroughly impressed. And the people who are in charge of um, WWE should be scared.
2: Because this all-in event is happening but then we also have money in the bank, you know, happening in the UK. But it's not going on at Wembley. So, hmm.
1: If AEW can outsell a WWE show in the UK, like, it should be big. This would be, this would be pretty dang big.
2: So I'm excited.
1: But we also have to see the card because <laughs> then my my expectations may be empered or lit aflame.
0: Agree. This is a little bit of a gamble, some might say, with their first UK show being in such a large venue. There are concerns. I mean, we, we hear reports that AEW is very popular in the UK. You get in terms of ratings and kind of things of such and and social media garnering that. AEW is just really, really big over there. And you, you, at least on my side of the pond here in the US, we hear every once in a while that the UK is starved for WWE or or potentially an AEW or like large wrestling shows, be that as it may, even though the UK has... A number of promotions that you can potentially see obviously not to the scale of a WWE or an AEW but yeah interesting I guess sort of gamble that you're going with that the WWE is holding Money in the Bank in London's O2 arena July 1st so you figure that roughly two months later we're gonna have an AEW show in a larger venue
1: so the O2 is a 20,000 seater capacity, just FYI. So it's like it's it's a magnitude of four almost bigger. Like huh, if WWE's second pay-per-view in a year in the UK doesn't sell out the O2 and AEW come over a little bit after that and sell out and sell out Wembley, whew.
0: I have a little bit of concerns that now we have Two big shows, Money in the Bank at the O2 on July 1st, and then this all-in on August 27, roughly two months apart, in England, that there's competition. You know, I'm sure, much like I heard the Clash of the Castle in Wales, crazy expensive for tickets, for, for hotels in and around Cardiff. It, it was just crazy 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 expensive so where I'm going with this is if you have an expensive show WWE for money in the bank right and then I guarantee that the tickets prices for all in at Wembley is going to be expensive folks might have to choose between one or the other so that you know it may potentially hurt the drawing power of both shows regardless I think it's one of those that this is, like you said, going to be quite the litmus test to see if AEW is going to potentially sink or swim. Um, I think there's, they're going to sell a lot of tickets. There's, I think, a presale upcoming shortly, uh, potentially, if I'm not mistaken. And I think folks are interested, but it's going to be quite the test, like we said, to see if this does well. Folks always hope for a sellout, but if this does well, then we could potentially have more shows in the UK as we branch out to other places in Europe as well. Man, this is going to be certainly interesting, to say the least.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. And the thing we have in the UK is a lot of our arenas and stadiums are in the capital cities. And the capital cities are
2: expensive. Regardless of where you are and what's going on, Belfast, Dublin, Cardiff, London, anywhere that is a huge city hub
1: like Manchester, etc., expensive. So it really doesn't make a difference that these things are on. That's how much it costs. That's how much it be. So whenever you're considering the O2, and Wembley. And the O2 is, is you know, one of those really, really cool, iconic stadiums, has become an iconic stadium, uh, an arena, sorry, on all on its own. And then Wembley, everybody knows Wembley. Uh, so it's just one of those that you look at and you go, wow, the confidence, the cojones on TK to be like, We're going to Wembley, baby. And getting McGuinness in on it. Like, oh, I love McGuinness's commentary. I'm going to be hoping that man is on the commentary table. Because if he is, I'm going to be a happy boy. And you know who just got done having successful surgery and needs some time to recoup? Mr. Will Osprey. Mr. Will Osprey is also British. Mr. Will Osprey could be at Wembley, yeah? Let's have let's have uh yo let's have a whole bunch of uh you know uh people with hater aid signs, Jimmy hater in freaking Wembley Stadium, the pop. Oh the the things that could happen. Puck. Oh my god. Just thinking about it, I'm getting excited. Like if these people aren't on the card, TK needs a slap. But I'm excited for The event coming to the UK especially excited because London is a central hub for all of Europe as well uh you know loads of loads of airports uh the the tunnel everything else um for people from Europe it's super easy to get across uh maybe not so much now because we're not in Europe but that's a that's a British thing Brexit happened um but still it's one of those things that it, it it's gonna draw in super uh super well from the uh the mainland of uh, the main continent of Europe. So uh this is a
2: big undertaking. And I hope it doesn't go like Jay White's debut and just happen like a wet fart. It better be extravagant it better be opulent it better be amazing
0: i feel like just the announcement too we're going to get some strong sales for the show first uk show folks are going to be super excited to an earlier point you mentioned the you want to see the card i feel like that's going to be the determining factor whether or not it's going to sell out is whether the card there but let me throw this sort of final one last point at you In I mentioned in the intro to this segment here, Anthony Bowens replied to a fan that All In is still going to happen, which usually happens around Labor Day, which is roughly the first uh, Monday in September. So this potentially, the notion of it being a a sort of super show, but maybe not necessarily the pay-per-view quote-unquote, I feel like we're going to have probably a fun card type of thing, but I'd be curious of whether they're going to have this be a sort of a glorified house show or it be a pay-per-view. I feel like it would be fantastic if it was the pay-per-view, but remains to be seen about what's going to actually happen. What are your thoughts?
1: If anybody wants to call it a house show, don't put it in freaking Wembley Arena. Wembley Stadium, sorry. Put it in Wembley Arena. If you're going to just have a
2: basic, insert expletive here,
1: kind of card, then go to Wembley Arena. You're going to the stadium, 90,000 people, and you think that that could possibly be anything other than a pay-per-view? Are you kidding me? Like, sure, All Out's going to happen. Like, congratulations, Anthony, I don't care about All Out. Everything is all in. Because that's the way you have to be. You have to be all in on this one thing. 90000 is a pressure point. We heard last year that WWE had a huge stadium booked for money in the bank, and they had to downgrade because they didn't sell out. If you do not even remotely sell, and AEW and had a field day with that, Everybody had a fail day with that that news from WWE. Everybody loved to see them fail. So if you come over and you do not have a strong card, you do not have all your British talent, you know, taking big wins or, you know, putting out a big show, having any of your European talent come over and just be, and then have your big names. If MJF doesn't come over, you're going to see some hate. If Moxley doesn't come over, you're going to see some absolutely peed off fan. But if Pac doesn't, you know, hit that black arrow, you know the people are going to trash the place and nobody will go to an AEW show again. If Hater does not retain and beat like 15 other women with those 14 and 15 other friends, like she just straps a couple people to her arms and starts beating people with other people. You know, I don't know. The world's just not going to be the same. And AEW is not going to pop. This is a pay-per-view. Treat it like that. Do not make the mistake of thinking that this is just a UK debut. This is
2: huge for AEW.
0: Agreed. The British talent there being represented. Would love to see uh, MJF take on Pac. I could, for the title in Wembley, I could see the phenomenal, crazy ovation. Jamie Hayter defends against Soraya. In Wembley, you talk about the massive ovation for both of those ladies as well. A John Moxley on the card taking 17 minutes to come through the crowd to get to the ring would be fantastic.
1: Already bleeding by the time he gets to the ring.
0: (laughs) Oh, you know it, baby. But yeah, I agree. This needs to be a big deal. Pressure point, uh, litmus test, all of the the pieces. This has to succeed and be a crazy strong show and a card for them to... Have great business in
2: England, in the UK, in Europe. You know, sort of pressure's on.
1: It definitely is, and uh, that's maybe why I'm a little bit extra disappointed by the Jay White debut because not an awful lot of uh, not an awful lot of joie de vivre from uh, from that entrance to the world. So we're gonna have to hope for a little bit better from TK on this one
0: understandable so those were our thoughts on AEW's debut at Wembley Stadium for their UK show upcoming it's going to be an exciting one let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter Instagram and let us know if you are excited let us know your thoughts on AEW making their debut in the UK all right our final topic or this episode here triple h announces that wwe will have a draft this year during a promo segment on smackdown triple h announced the wwe draft will be taking place quote in a few weeks triple h went on to announce that every superstar will be eligible for this year's draft he claims it'll be quote bigger than ever and will change the game As of this writing, and at the moment of recording, there is no word on whether the WWE NXT roster will be eligible to participate. So, everybody was speculating. We had announced that Triple H was going to have an in-ring promo segment. Folks were speculating anywhere from he's quitting to he's stepping down as creative to he's I'm done and this is the last time you ever see me to nobody really kind of guessed that we were going to have a draft typically in the past a draft had happened after Wrestlemania then they switched gears toward of a sort of October time which didn't lead itself to weirdness when we had a sort of Survivor Series brand versus brand where folks were on there yeah I love I love raw but I only just came over here like two weeks ago but Like we'd mentioned in the previous episode that post-WrestleMania, it's sort of their uh, opening day, their sort of reset of the season, if you will, kind of when things start again. So it makes sense to have it sort of early on in their year. But uh, Joker, what were your initial impressions of Papa H coming out saying, we're having a draft,
2: baby?
1: At least it wasn't. I quit. Like, legitimately,
2: I was like, okay, cool. Why? Why are we having a draft? Like, what is the point in the draft? We have two men's belts. We have two women's belts.
1: And that's it. Like, the tag team, the women's tag team championships, just, they're never... They're never booked right, and then whoever gets them is obviously going to both shows anyway, because you gotta defend them all the time. And then, or defend them all the time, sorry. Let me just put that in heavy quotes, because when was the last time they were legitimately defended? Um, Then you got the Unified Tag Team Championships for the men. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, cool. Why are we splitting those up, please? Please split those up. And then we have Roman who's holding the two belts just captive as well. How are you gonna have a unified champ and try and have a brand to split the uh to split the the the, the, the sort of employees? Like how are you gonna do that? Because who is then going to want to go to a RAW if the champ is on SmackDown? And who is want to go to SmackDown if the champ is on Raw? It doesn't make sense. Oh, but Roman can go to any show. Like, well then what's
2: the point in the draft? Like, legitimately, what is the point in the draft at that point? I can see them
1: moving Gunther to Raw and Austin Theory to SmackDown. To swap the to swap the uh, US and intercontinental titles, but why would I, as talent, want to be on the show where Roman is not? And if why would I, as a viewer, be interested if Roman is exempt from the draft because he has to go to both shows? It comes back to my favorite thing about wrestling: complaining about wrestling. Don't put two belts on the same guy when they're your top belts. It's stupid. And now you are trying to get yourself out of this hole, and you are just digging a deeper hole.
0: The idea of the brand split. See, we had it earlier on. Most recently in 2016, when we had a Raw roster and a SmackDown roster, when SmackDown went live, we did the whole draft deal. We've had subsequent kind of little movements and superstar shakeups. It's a draft. You can call it what you will, whatever nomenclature. I can make up words too, you know, and folks will not understand it. But be that as it may, the nature of the brand split and folks only being on one show, that We've, we have we soft-ended that quite a long time ago. You've seen the likes of, you brought up the example of a Roman holding two of the titles, so he's appeared on SmackDown, he's appeared on Raw. The Usos as well, they've been appearing on SmackDown, they've been appearing on Raw. Folks going back and forth, even recent memory, LA Knight, he's supposed to be on SmackDown. He's had a couple of Raw matches in the last like couple months and stuff like that. Uh, Chelsea Green went back and forth between Raw and SmackDown, so I mean, there's no... The notion of I'm a SmackDown superstar, I'm a Raw superstar, I mean, I don't kind of give it clearance anymore type of thing. It's the, I guess at heart, the idea was to kind of freshen things up to have folks kind of move and have like kind of new matchups. But then, like I literally just got finished saying, we've had Rey Mysterio show up on both shows and the aforementioned folks. So Judgment Days, because Rhea was on there and all these different things. So I guess it's sort of lost its luster because the lines have been so blurred, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a thing to look forward to, but if we go at the same rate there,
2: it really makes no difference to be honest. I completely agree. Like there's honestly, I I want this to be good. But what's the point?" Like that, and that is... that that is all my sort of... my thought process is boiling down to, is what is the point?
0: Yeah, it's fair play, but be that as it may, because it doesn't seem important, we're gonna make it important, because we're gonna have crazy predictions about what's gonna happen in the draft, so... I'll kind of go first and I'll just going to go super extra mega chaotic. Uh, let's do this. Let's have Roman exclusively appears on Raw and then uh, Cody moves over to SmackDown and because Roman's on Raw, they have to create a new world championship where Cody gets to vie for that. So Bob, your uncle, and we get to solve that nature. The two belts eventually go into one championship. So we'll figure that out. We end up having the bloodline gets broken up where Roman's on Raw and and maybe one of the Usos gets to Raw and one of the others is on SmackDown, so we're going to create chaotic there. Nature, we have, because at the moment, Sammy and KO are holding the red and the blue straps, they can temporarily appear on both shows, but then they're going to get broken up because we're going to cause some chaos. Uh, LA Knight fights, uh, stays on SmackDown and fights Cody for the... Finals in the world championship match there. We get the uh Charlotte's off, so she'll eventually be returning on NXT, the the third. Ron Breaker's coming up. He's gonna be on Raw and he's gonna face Roman Reigns for the championship, potentially at SummerSlam. Gunther's gonna be there, and he's gonna probably move over to Raw and face. I don't know. Let's go with that Bobby Lashers, because I would just love to see that uh by proxy because roman's on raw the hurt business is going to get back together all these fantastic things so those are just a little bit of my sprinkled chaos i don't care how about you joker let's uh let's put this in a blender and uh let's make some either people pop or get heat on us for these predictions
1: i feel like you stole a lot of my predictions there dude because like you know the bobby lashers versus uh versus gunther is definitely one of my things I'm gonna go out and say Judgment Day is obviously going to SmackDown with Rhea. SmackDown has Rhea. Everybody except Dom Dom is going to say, "Stay on to uh, the Raw." Dom Dom is getting split up from Mommy, and he's going to have a tantrum about it. And the LWO is then going to move over to Raw as well. Oh, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some cheeky shenanigans where Dom Dom is gonna try and. Uh, you know, disband the L- LW, etc., etc. Um I feel like we're probably going to see something really silly with splitting uh, tag teams up. Uh, and for final kneels in the coffins for factions, Billy is going to stay on Raw. Io Kai and Dakota Sky, Io Shirai or Io Sky and Dakota Kai are going to go to SmackDown. The news is anything to be listened to, you know this they're, they're sort of being broken up, and then you know it kind of has fallen flat. I had high hopes for it over the last while it's sort of died a slow death. Um, death, by a thousand cuts, all this, all the losing and the the sort of you know so they're going to be split off, and then there'll be a faction split in in there. um I, like I said, he stole a lot of my stuff. We're going to have big E come back. And he's going to uh, he's going to appear on SmackDown, and uh, then uh, Xavier Woods and, and Kofi we're going to have the reunification of the New Day. Uh, that'll be a good one. Um, Shotzi's tank goes to Raw. Shotzi goes to SmackDown, so her tank gets taken by Austin Theory, who then you know is out on uh, who comes out on the tank. Because it's now the, the taking care of business tank for Austin Theory because he is taking care of business. Um, I can't think of any. I had I had a Mustafa Ali one, but now I can't think. <laughs> no, I can't think of what I want to do with him. So, but yeah, like it's just absolute chaos, randomness. There, there, there's, there's probably going to be something really ridiculous that i'm overlooking but uh yeah it's it's going to be one of those that even though i i don't i don't understand why we're having it i'm going to watch it with an interested eye because whenever you look at who goes where you're going to see stories play out
0: so my earlier predictions were just one stream of consciousness but i in my brain listening to you it reminded me of Austin Theory coming over to SmackDown, Xavier Woods takes the U.S. Championship from him, and then New Day still remains as a unit, and then, of course, uh, the Alpha Academy gets broken up. Otis is going to be joining forces with Maximum Male Models. They'll go over to SmackDown. Chad Gable is going to be a singles star on Raw, Street Profits, unfortunately, get broken up. Nope. Montez nope. Ford no, I'm gonna
1: veto that one. PT. Montez nope. Ford I'm goes over to
0: SmackDown and along with the losing her championship, Bianca Belair, and then-
1: Don't listen to PT. This is all vetoed. 100% vetoed. Not happening. Street Profits do not get split up at all, ever. I'm, it's like New Day, dude. I'm vetoing this. No. Don't do it to me. Don't put that energy out into the world.
0: Day. it's one of those where wd just doesn't like tag team so they're just gonna break them up
1: yeah vince doesn't that's
0: right yeah, it's a sad uh reality of the fact but yeah like i said it's just we have having a little fun i know it's either some folks are either gonna laugh or each of us are gonna get a little heat ski for just be like <laughs> you guys are ridiculous no please but those are all, it's funny, but some of them might ho- actually kind of come true and I'll be a little sad.
1: But uh. out, of, out of all of them, I think the Shotzi one might be the most logical one to happen. The tank goes somewhere else and she goes another place. It might just be Chelsea Green. Says she's going to Raw, but she actually ends up on SmackDown and wants to talk to the manager about where the Raw is. They get told where the Raw is That ends up at SmackDown again. Chelsea Green's great, by the way. I love her current character. It's so stupid.
0: (laughs) But like we talked about earlier, it's just with the blurring of the brand split and and folks appearing on both shows, it kind of really doesn't matter unless they're going really hard pressed with, uh, you know, if you want to see this person, you can only have to tune into one show type of deal. But yeah, like we said, we're just having a little bit of fun, just being super chaotic and, uh, just, you know, we'll see if we, if folks are interested or we get a little heat ski, but Those were our thoughts on Triple H announcing an upcoming WWE draft. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know if you have predictions for the draft or if you're even interested or you're
2: disenfranchised about even a draft altogether. All right, that about wraps it up for us, Joker interesting week post
0: wrestlemania in the wrestling world
1: yeah interesting is one word there was definitely my my excitement level was so so high on the sunday and then by sunday evening it was a little bit a little bit lower by monday it was in the toilet by wednesday it was Still in the toilet. And then this weekend, it's, you know, kind of kind of fair to midland. I don't know. It's just.
2: Maybe my expectations were too high.
1: Maybe I wanted the world and I was given, I don't know, the world's worst candy bar. Crumbs. But Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, could all stand to get a bit better, and let's hope it does.
0: Certainly the wave of emotion. We had WrestleMania and, of course, the crazy week that was before with all the shows and sort of the wrestling holiday, as it were, in our wrestling world. And then, oh boy, the tidal wave of emotion up and down where we had Raw. And then probably for the first time ever, we had the NXT and the AEW after WrestleMania was significantly better than the Raw after WrestleMania. Oh boy, so.
1: Yeah, it was uh it was very surprising that uh that that sentence is even a thing, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So again, hopefully things always improve. The Dynamite after WrestleMania was pretty okay comparison to the Raw after WrestleMania. But like we said, we'll leave on sort of on a positive note here and hope for things to kind of improve and get better for the little bit of a valley that we had early in the week, so Here's to things improving. Here's to us being on the up and up. All right. Fingers crossed. Indeed. So for TF Joker.
1: Rock hard is the only way to be.
0: There we go. Fair enough. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.